0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. We're going to get into the Word here. Uh, You know, Wednesdays, we don't have a whole lot of time, so we want to get right to it and and speak into your life. And so the title tonight is this, Don't Be an Easy Target. Don't be an easy target target because who knows that there is an enemy and and he's real Uh, you know uh, the devil isn't pretend and made up and you know I've, i've seen so many different surveys and polls taken from different organizations where a shockingly high percentage of the population does believe there's a god You know, whether they're a Christian or not, or whether they live for the Lord. But something like up in the 80-something percentile of people believe that there is a God. And what's even more strange to me in in, in these same surveys is like 40 or 50 percent of people, or maybe even less, believe that there's a devil. And I'm like, hey... We, yes, there's a God, and you got to know that there's also the other side of things, and there is a devil, and he's your enemy, and he would like to take you out. And sadly, there's a lot of people that just kind of make his job a whole lot easier. They make themselves what we would call an easy target now i know i've heard dr barclay talk about his days in the vietnam war and and he talked about how one of his purposes as a marine sniper was uh they would they would some of his guys if there was a certain uh person on the enemy side that they wanted to take out specifically they would have a bunch of other guys come and create a big distraction and and get this important person kind of left by himself unsurrounded. And then like, boom, easy target, just pick him off. And there's, he's not around other people. And as a Christian, there are things that we can do to kind of make ourselves very vulnerable to attack. And, and we're like, well, how did, how did that happen? Where'd that come from? Where was God? Like God's where he's always been brother. God's doing what he's always done. And sometimes when we run off doing our own thing, Something happens. And then we're like, we're getting mad at God and blaming him and saying, where was he? He's where he's always been. Where were you? We were out there chasing the distraction. We were out there going after the bait from the enemy. And so I'm going to look look at an opening verse here. Ephesians chapter six and verse 12. Can we look at that real quick? Ephesians six and verse 12. And so my main point tonight is not to talk about the devil. Uh, you know, I've got better things to do than talk about the devil. But, you know, I do have to acknowledge that he's real and that I'm not afraid of him. OK, I'm not afraid of the devil because I've been given authority over all the power of the enemy, according to Luke chapter 18. All right. Or excuse me, Luke 10 and verse 18. But what we're looking at right now is Ephesians 6. And verse 12, Ephesians six and verse 12, and it lists all the armor of God here. But look at this, Ephesians six, verse 12, it says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so what is all that talking about? That's what we call spiritual warfare. You ever heard of spiritual warfare? You know, there's, you know, in this military world, there's different warfares. There's nuclear warfare. There's chemical warfare. There's, you know, uh, guerrilla warfare. And there's another type of warfare that maybe you don't know that much about, but it's called spiritual warfare. And that's what Ephesians 6 is talking about. It says we're not fighting against flesh and blood. And so so many people are like, man, I know what my problem is. It's her. I know what my problem is. It's this guy over here. No, that's a distraction. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. And then it goes on to list several different enemy forces there. And those are, if you were to study it out, different levels of demons, honestly. But that's not my point tonight. My thing that I'm trying to get you to understand right now is we are at war. Spiritual warfare is real. There is an enemy out there. And you know, Peter said he goes around as a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And, and listen, hey, if he's looking for someone, I'm not going to make myself available to that. I'm going to stick within the walls of God's salvation. I'm going to stay under the shadow of the Almighty. All right. And so what we're going to do tonight is look at three different ways that you can Help yourself to not be an easy target. Three easy ways to keep yourself safe and protected in these end times. Amen? Because who knows that we're in the end times. That's not made up. That's not pretend. That's not just something we talk about. That's for real. And we've proven that so many times out of the Bible. All right? So I'm going to pray, and we're going to dig in to the word here tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that we have a chance to study the Word of God tonight right here at High Desert Word Center, Barstow, California. We get a chance to open up God's holy written Word. And, Lord, I pray that as we do that tonight, we have open hearts, open minds, and we are ready to receive what you're trying to tell us tonight. May your Word have free course in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, somebody said... Amen. All right. So three ways that you can make yourself not an easy target. You can keep yourself protected. Number one, stay in the word of God. Stay in the word of God. Now, this seems like a very basic, uh, very, uh, you know, that's not that deep of a statement to make. But truthfully, There's a lot of Christians, I know it's not you guys, but I've heard of them, okay? I've just, I, I hear tale that there's Christians that don't actually read their Bibles that often. And then they wonder why they're not strong when attacks come. And they wonder why, you know, the devil shows up and, and, and they've got, they've got no weapons in the chamber. They've got, they've, they don't have their weapon anywhere and their faith level is low. They're weak. You have got to stay in the Word of God because if you don't, you're making yourself very vulnerable to attacks from the devil. The devil can come in and huff and puff and you'll run in fear. He'll come in and create a distraction over here and you'll go chasing it and next thing you know, boom. There you go. Easy target. So let's look at John chapter 15. John 15. Amen. Alex, I'm going to need you to whistle tonight, brother. Can you do that? <laughs> Alex has patented this whistle for the Bible verses. <laughs> Over about the past seven or eight years, I mean, he's got it down. It's so good. So John 15, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 7. John chapter 15, and this is a great chapter. Jesus says, I am the vine. I am the true vine. This is the seventh of his great I am statements. But we're going to look here at John 15, and starting at verse 5. Now, check this out. Jesus has some stuff to say uh, regarding you staying in the word of God and taking the word seriously. John 15, verse five, he says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. How much can I do apart from Jesus? I can't do anything apart from Jesus. I've tried sometimes, sadly, and it's always ended in failure. He says, apart from me, you can't do anything at all. Is that because Jesus is arrogant and has an ego? No, that's because he's full of truth and he's shooting straight with you. You can't do anything worthwhile without Jesus. He says, you've got to remain in me. And so what's one way we remain in Jesus? Well... According to John chapter 1, verse 1, Jesus is the Word. And so every time that I hang out with my Bible, I'm hanging out with Jesus. All right? And so if I'm going to remain in Jesus, I'm going to have to remain in the Word. Look at verse 6 right here. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. What? what in the world this sounds hardcore but look at verse 7 but if you remain in me and my words remain in you you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted who believes that god will supply your needs who also actually believes the bible and believes that god will also supply your wants as long as they're godly because some people like well yeah he'll supply your needs he didn't say nothing about wants well, hold on. What did he say in John, what did he say in John 15, verse 7? He said you can ask for anything you want, and it'll be granted. He also said in 1 John 5 that if we ask according to his will, he'll give us whatever we want. All right. And so, listen, God will give you your wants and your desires. Psalm 37, verse four, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you your wants and desires as long as they're godly. That you can't go out and say, man, you know, I, God, what I really need is I need about, uh, you know, I need about 10, uh, 10, 24 packs of Bud Light. That's what I want. Come on, somebody. No, he's not going to give you that. That's stupid. But if you say, God, what I want and what I need in my life is and, and it's a godly thing. He'll get it to you. He's got no problem with that. He'll give it to you. But what's the key? You remain in him. Because I know some people, believe it or not, man, God don't ever give me nothing, man. I don't know what's going on here. It's like these guys over here, they ask and they get, I don't ever get anything. Question number one Are you remaining in Him? Or are you remaining in the are you remaining in the Word? Or are you remaining in the world? Listen. Come on, some listen, some people, they are not remaining in him. And then when the word of God works, I mean, it works. They don't get anything they pray for. And that just proves yet again that the Bible's true because he said, you got to remain in me to get it. And so then they get mad at God. Then they turn on him and they blame him. But no, you've got to remain in him. Stay in the word of God. And I want to look back there at verse six. Check this out. He says, "Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers." What? I mean, that sounds pretty hardcore. But what, what? What do we need extra weight on the tree for? We, he wants to, he wants to deal with the ones that are producing fruit. And if you've got a branch that's dying off and not producing any fruit, you got to trim it. You know, the the house we moved into last year, uh, it came with a bunch of very productive. Uh, uh, plants, you know, and I'm, I'm not naturally gifted at this, but I've got a bunch of grapevines. And lo and behold, I mean, come about July of last year, I had grapes everywhere. These wonderful, uh, red grapes they were beautiful and then this year i noticed there's some there's some things on the vine over here that this looks like it's just i've been trimming stuff off i got this lemon tree that popped out about a hundred and some lemons i'm like yeah this is great so that came about december all these lemons were fully and so i I trimmed off i got rid of a bunch of the excess branches already this year and i'm telling you that's what you got to do if you want to get even more fruit And so you need to stay in the word of God, because if you don't, you're useless. Now, Jesus didn't say you're worthless, but if you don't remain in him, you are useless. And that's not mean and that's not hate speech. That's the Bible. Listen, you're useless. You can't do anything for God. He can't use you if you don't remain in him. Does that mean he doesn't love you? No, he still he loves you just as much as he loves everybody else. He loves you. You're not worthless to him but you are useless. You cannot be used for the kingdom of God if you don't remain in him, according to his very word in John chapter 15. And so there's a lot of Christians that do want to do things for God, but they're useless because they don't ever spend time in the word of God. That's That's a sad state to be in. We've got to do that. Alright? And you need your weapon. The Bible's your weapon. Ephesians six tells us that it's the sword of the spirit. You guys ever watch the rifleman? I know I'm not that old, but hey, come on, that's TV right there. That's back when it was real. And so <laughs> so you got Chuck Connors there, the rifleman. Come on. Lucas McCain. And and I'm thinking like, this guy takes this rifle everywhere he goes. I mean, he's in bed with his He's always got his rifle with him. Like, man, what is this man's obsession with weapons? And and, and and but, you know, as you look at that, I'm like, you know, as much as Lucas McCain likes that rifle, Christians should love their Bibles that much. You should see Christians with their Bibles everywhere they go. You know what I mean? What is a Christian without his Bible? That's like the rifleman without a rifle. That's like Chuck Norris without a roundhouse kick. It just does not make any sense at all. It does. I can't even fathom what that's like. Christians are people that read their Bibles and think about this. How many people, you know, how many and I've asked, I asked this just a few weeks ago. How many of you guys only eat one time a week? You've got one day a week that's designated. That's your eating day. And then the rest of the rest of the week, you don't ever eat. And so that would be like, you know what? Um, I only eat on Sundays. You know, so the rest of the week, even if people offer it, I don't eat it, I, I designate one day a week for my eating, and it's about 30 minutes on Sunday mornings, uh, uh, you know, the worship team's over, so at about 10.30 to 11 o'clock on Sundays, that's eating time, and I don't touch it again, and for the re- no! You would be weak! You'd be powerless! You would faint! You would just, anything could knock you over, you'd have no strength! And that's what a lot of people do spiritually. They eat one time a week, if that. One time a week, and that's on Sunday morning spiritually. They come and maybe hear the sermon or whatever. They don't touch the feed again for the rest of the week. Now, I'm grateful that you come and listen to preaching on Sundays and Wednesdays, but I'd be a lot more grateful if you could also feed yourself the rest of the week in the Word of God. Smith Wigglesworth said that most Christians feed themselves three hot meals a day and feed their spirits one cold snack a week. Then wonder why they're weak. You have got to eat every day. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. When I'm reading the Bible, I am spiritually eating the bread of life, the manna from heaven. And he's also said, hey, I'm living water. Come on, I'm living water. So I am eating and I am drinking of the word of God and it's keeping me strong. And so don't be an easy target. You've got to stay in the word of God. Hebrews 4, 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. Check this out. Hebrews 4, verse 12. And so the Bible is not just a book. It's not just a collection of inspirational writings that give you good vibes and good feels whenever you decide to pop it open every now and then. It is not that. No, the Bible is a lot more than that. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. And it says this. For the word of God is, what is it? It's alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's a big statement right there. Now, I mean, there's 10 sermons in that one verse. That's incredible. But the word of God is alive and powerful. But that last statement, it, it, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The word of God, it will light up things in you that you didn't even know were there. It will show you things that you didn't even know was going on on the inside of you. The word of God is the real deal. It is alive and it is powerful. You've got to make it a priority. If you don't, you're making yourself weak. You're going to fall behind the rest of the troops, and you're an easy target for the enemy. So number one, stay in the word of God. Number two, stay in the house of God. Number two, stay in the house of God. Now, this one's been on my heart a lot lately. Um, You know, it's just you you see things. And and so I can already see some people that got a little fear of God during the covid pandemic. I guess, you know, it's still around a little bit, but I see a lot of people that they got scared. They got the fear of God for a few minutes. I can already see them heading back to being lukewarm. And And it just breaks my heart to see that, you know, at least some people had enough sense when things got scary to run in. But then it's like, yeah, wait. Oh, wait, we're good. I'm fine. I'm still alive. I'm among, you know, the ninety nine point nine percent that made it. So I don't have to I don't have to back off. I can just go back to doing what I was doing. That's a dangerous way to live your life, man. You do not want to only come to the father's house when you need something. And so we'll 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 look at this just a little bit here. But we're already in Hebrews four. Let's look at chapter uh, 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. You still with me tonight? I haven't made you mad yet, have I? Good. All right, good. (laughs) I have made you mad. That's good. All right. Hebrews 10 and verse 25. And, you know, it's it's important that we as Christians, we make God's word a priority, but we make his house a priority. Hebrews 10 and verse 25, it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Well, apparently some people neglect their meeting together. I think the Living Bible says, let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do. But look at this, but encourage one another. Why? Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Again, who thinks the day of his return is drawing near? And so way back then, he's like, hey don't neglect going to church. Don't neglect gathering with the other Christians. You need to warn each other. You need to encourage each other. But especially as the day of his return draws more and more near, we are a lot more near to that day than they were back then. And so there's ever been an essential time to go to church. It would be 2020, 2021, and any years that we possibly have left is a great time to not neglect meeting together with other Christians. Why? you got to be with the rest of the troops. Nothing is easier to pick off than a soldier who's standing a mile away from the rest of the troops. That guy's easy. He's a sitting duck. It's easy. You know, if you're out there duck hunting or something, it's super easy. If there's just one little guy over here by himself, boom, I'll just pick him off and have an easy dinner. It's easy to hit that guy. And that's the Christian that isolates themselves and neglects to gather together. I've got a picture I saw on uh, Facebook the other day. Can you put that picture on the screen? And so I don't know if you can read that or not. But it says, this is if I'm a Christian, but I don't need the church was a photo. And I don't know if you can see that, but all the rest of the groups back there together, and this one guy's by himself. Who's the lion going to go after? He's going to go after that one guy. He's solo. He's got no protection. He's all by himself, and that's exactly what it's like when we're like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't need that stuff. I'll just I can do my thing out here." And that's a dangerous way to live your life spiritually and so you know there i i see i've seen it for years it's not nothing new there's nothing new under the sun like solomon said but but there does seem to be an attack by a lot of christians that 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 defend their choice not to go to church And i'm not talking about this church specific i'm just talking about churches everywhere okay so i i got a broad scope of christianity across the united states and the world okay and so and I say, see people say stupid things like, man, I can be just as saved as you are and never go to church. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. Totally. You can be just as much saved as me or anybody else and never go to church. But you cannot be as strong as me and never go to church. That's like me saying, hey, I can be I can be just as strong as Nick back there and, and never go work out. Be just as strong as him. I'm like, that's a lie. I can be just as human as him, Right. I'm just as much a person as you are. That's the truth. I am. But I'll just flat out say, I'm not as strong as he is, because I never work out. Ever. And I don't want to. I've got other things to do, okay? Got a couple hundred people, you know, every day that I gotta, you know, pray with it. I've got other stuff to do, but listen to me. I don't even, I don't even pretend. That I'm as strong as as somebody that goes and works out all the time. Because I know that it's a lie. And if I say that, everyone else can see how pathetic and stupid that is. And listen, whether a, a carnal Christian knows it or not, everyone else knows your bluff. You ever been around somebody that can talk a big game? Whether it's at your job, whether it's in sports. And I found this out being involved in the world of sports for many years, especially when I was younger. I found it out that, the more somebody talks up their game, usually I can tell this, I can, this guy stinks, I, I already know it. If you've got to talk it up that big, then we know that you probably you've got nothing. And I know that there's a lot of Christians that, man, I don't, I don't need that, I don't need that church, I can be, and you can still go to heaven without church, but listen, you are going to be very weak and probably defeated the whole way there. You cannot be as strong as somebody that actually obeys the Bible. Because a Christian that ignores Hebrews 1025, they're living in disobedience to the Bible. Thank you for your holy silence. I'm not, I'm not talking to you guys. You guys are at church, okay? So don't, don't listen, this, this isn't about you're here right now, okay? But listen, listen, somebody that says something stupid like that, it's, it's already apparent that they don't obey the Bible. I like David's attitude. He said in Psalm 84, he said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. Better is one day in your house than anywhere else in this world. And so I'd rather have one great day at church than anywhere else. Listen, I want to be in the house of God. And so the more that somebody isolates themselves from the rest of the church family or the rest of the body of Christ as a whole, they may not see it, but they're getting weaker and weaker, and weaker. And I'm just telling you, I've been around this thing for a long time now, okay? And I don't say this because I'm a preacher. I'm just saying this. I'm a Christian that's been in church for 35 years because I've been in church since the day I was born, right? (laughs) My parents took this very seriously. And if I had a nickel for every time, I've seen somebody say, I know, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm too busy right now for church, but hey, I'm staying strong. I'm just as strong as I've ever been. I had a nickel for every time I heard that, man, I'd be a millionaire right now. I'd take us all to McDonald's after this and get you an ice cream cone. That's exactly what I'd do. Listen, listen, people say that stuff, and it's obvious to everybody else around them that they're getting weaker, and it's like they can't see it, but everybody else can. Don't fall into that category. Why? You're an easy target for the enemy. I want to show you um, a quick story here in, in uh, Mark chapter 10. Can we flip there real quick? Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> Mark 10. And this is the story of blind Bartimaeus. Who's heard of blind Bartimaeus? Blind Bart. Blind Bart. And so here's this guy. He has been blind since birth. And he hears that Jesus is coming down the road. And he gets out there and he starts. He's like, man, here's my one chance to be able to get healed and see. And so he's shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everyone's like, shut the blind guy up. My gosh, how annoying can you get? And, and what does he do? He just shouts even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And so Jesus goes over there and he's like, hey, what, what, what's going on, man? And so he says, what do you want me to do? And he says, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to be made whole. And so Mark chapter 10, and verse 52 in new king james mark 10 verse 52 jesus said unto him go thy way thy faith hath made thee whole and immediately he received his sight wow think about that you have been born blind you've never seen anything in your entire life and one touch from jesus you immediately can see and what happened next he followed jesus in the way or he he followed jesus Down the road, down the path, he immediately followed Jesus, even after he got what he wanted. Now, here's what I'm getting at in this. I know a lot of people, a lot of people, that they needed a miracle from Jesus, and they got it. And then they didn't follow Jesus in the way. They didn't follow Jesus down the road. They were like, hey, I got what I wanted. I will see you later. See you next time. And 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 one thing that it doesn't anger me, but it makes me sad, it breaks my heart. When somebody tells me, man, I promised God. I made a promise to God if he would just get me through this one tragedy, through this one thing. If he would just heal me right here, I would give him everything I've got. I would follow him 100%. And I'm telling you right now, I have heard people tell me that. Probably nearly a thousand times, maybe I'm exaggerating, but I would say at least a hundred times or more people have told me, man, I I want you to know, brother, that I made a vow and a promise to God. If he would just get me this right here, if he would just heal my marriage. If he would just heal my body, if he would just get me this job, if he would just bring me through this, I would serve him with everything I've got for the rest of my life. And Jesus says, you've got it. I will do it for you. And he gives them their miracle. And it's not that long after that they are nowhere to be found. Now, I don't think it's a good idea to break a promise to anybody. I think if you make a promise, you stick with it. But I feel that it's an even worse idea to make a promise to God Almighty and then break it. Jesus said anybody that puts their hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And so I'm looking at this and 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 it breaks my heart. So many people I've even seen over the last year, like, God, you just I promise you just do this one thing for me and I'm with you. And then they're not. That's sad. It shouldn't be that way. Think about that. If somebody used you that way, you know. God doesn't just like to be used. We study scripture, we see that Jesus had emotion. Jesus wept. Jesus looked out over the city of Jerusalem and wept for the city that he loved so much. Jesus, at different times, he noticed, he, he healed these, all these, uh, these lepers, right? In Luke chapter 19, and one guy comes back and Jesus is like, ow. Only one guy even comes back to say thanks. So it shows me that Jesus does have some level of feeling to him. And I'll bet it really stinks to just get used by people. Every There's a great percentage that love him and follow him and stick with him. But there's a whole lot of people that just use him to get what they want. And then they ditch him. How would you like it if somebody said, man, I love you. I will be with you. Can I, you know, just help me out with a hundred bucks right now. And, and, and I just want you to know how much you mean to me. Me and you are like this. You're like family to me, man. Can you help me out? And you're like, you know what? I'll give you 200 because Jesus always just goes the extra mile anyway. And then they get like, thank you so much. We'll catch up later. And you, and you don't ever see him again. But then let's say six months later, they're in bad shape again. Hey man, I know, hey, don't mind me, it's been busy, I got caught up in stuff, I know I, I meant to text and call, I need $500 this time, it's worse than ever. And, the, and this person only shows up when they're in a real bad spot, and it's like, hey, then they ditch you when they get what they wanted out of you. They use you, and they abuse that relationship, but because you're so nice and loving, you continually give of yourself, and you continually make yourself available to them that's a sad spot to be in and a lot of people do that to Jesus and they're very vulnerable and they're very easy targets and they they're not fit for the kingdom of God and they don't remain in him so we know that they're useless he can't use them for anything and that's I don't say that out of anger or to make somebody feel bad I say that out of heartbreak because I see it happening right now before my very eyes in 2021 and it stinks that I see Jesus has done great miracles for people, and now they're nowhere to be found. But if you were to ask them, ten times out of ten, guarantee you, ask them, "Hey man, what's going on? Where have you been? uh, Are you good with? are, Are you still good with Jesus?" Or, "Oh man, yeah. Hey, oh yeah, I'm good." I'm, I, yeah, oh yeah, we're good. I, me and Jesus, we got this thing. And and and, and you know, I, I I do this over here, and I get my vibe that way. First of all, if you use the word vibe, I know you're faker than a three-dollar bill. Come on, somebody listen. But uh, seriously, all right, I I'll call you out right there. That is a that's a stupid word for a Christian to use. Somebody tried to send me positive vibes. I'm like, uh, no, return to sender. Keep those vibes, man. I want prayers, I, and I, and not from you. I want them from somebody that has faith. But anyway, so listen. If we're going to stay strong, we're going to have to stay in the word of God. We're going to have to stay in the house of God because everybody needs a pastor. I need a pastor. You need a pastor. I'm not going to make you turn there. But Jeremiah 315, it tells us that I will give you pastors according to mine heart which will feed you with knowledge and understanding, Jeremiah 3.15. God gives pastors after his heart to feed you with knowledge and understanding. And so none of us should try to be our own pastor. I don't try to be my own pastor. My dad doesn't try to be his own pastor. And you shouldn't do that either. That's not a very good thing. When God said, hey, I want you to go to church. Hey, I want to give you a pastor. It's not very good to reject a gift from Jesus. All right. And then for the sake of time, I better move on to number three. Number one, you got to stay in the word of God. Number two, you got to stay in the house of God. Number three, if you don't want to be an easy target, you got to stay in the love of God. What does that mean? It means, hey, you better be treating people like Jesus wants you to treat them. And I, I've been talking about this a lot lately because it's an essential and key point to your chances of thriving, right? Somebody that doesn't treat other people right is not going to get very far with God. And so, for the sake of time, again, Galatians 5 and verse 6 in the King James, Galatians 5, 6, King James, it says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but what, but faith which worketh by Love, but faith, which worketh by love. Well, how does your faith work? Does it work by praying a whole bunch? No, it works by love. And if you don't treat other people right, it, and I'm not, I'm saying this to help you out. I mean, if you got something that you need, if you need an answer to prayer right now, if, if you're facing something, you need to hear this. Your faith works by love. You better be treating other people right. And you better be treating God right. Some people aren't treating God very lovely. That's, you know, hey, just take that and do with it what you wish to do with it. But sometimes we get all of our focus on, hey, all right, I'm trying to not be mean to people. I'm trying to finally be nice and not, you know, act mean. But how are you treating God himself? Because we've got two New Testament commandments. Love God and love people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, might, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Those are your two New Testament commands. And... Faith works by love. Are you treating people right? And are you treating God right? And only using Him as your sugar daddy when you need a little favor is not loving God too much. That's not being nice to God. And I think we should be nice to God. Who thinks we should be nice to God? Who thinks that we should love God and, and not just use him and abuse him and, and, and run that relationship into the ground? Right. We need to love God and treat Him right. That's part of the love walk. One last verse tonight, James 3.16. James 3.16. James 3.16. <laughs> and, uh, and my dad, man, my dad, oh, he loved this verse when I was a kid because every time that we'd get into it as brothers and sisters, My dad would go to this verse. In fact, here's a little period of time where, you know, you know, kids, right? They kind of go at each other. You ever notice that with your kids? Sometimes they fight each other, right? So if we if, if we were if we had been getting into it, there was a time period when we were. It embarrassed me so bad. My dad printed out this great big sign. And on one side of it, it said James 3.16. And it look, what it looked like was a no smoking sign. It was this big circular sign. And on one side it said James 3.16. And on the other side, it said Strife. And there was a big, you know, X down the middle like this. No Strife. And so, we had this van that, you know, our, our family van, driving down the road, you could see just this great big old circle hanging from my dad's rear view mirror. James 3.16. No Strife. I'm like, oh my gosh. I remember pulling to Little League practice. What's that say on your dad's van over there? I don't know, man. It's just forget about it. I don't know what's on. My... <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Sometimes your parents embarrass you. But now I'm in that lovely spot where I can embarrass my own children. And I'm enjoying it better than I thought I would, to be honest. It's it's really cool. I volunteered at their school a couple of weeks ago, and it was a delight embarrassing my sons. I loved every second of it. Alright. James three, sixteen, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Have you ever been in an atmosphere of strife? There's just been fighting and bickering and, and arguing and strife. And you're like, after a while, it's like, oh my gosh, my, I can't even think straight right now. I just like, I don't, I don't even know what, what were we even doing before this. What were we even talking about? There's confusion. And every evil work. Does that sound like a great atmosphere for you to just be spiritually strong and and ready to take on the devil? No. It sounds like that makes you a very vulnerable and easy target. We, as Christians, we got to stay in the Word of God, the house of God, and in the love of God. We've got to love God and treat Him right, for sure. And we've got to treat His creation, the people, right. And where there's envying and strife, there's confusion, there's every evil work. And so what am I doing tonight? I am encouraging us, especially as we get into the summer months, because hey, summer's coming, and I know that uh, that's the time of year when uh, all of us or some of us are going on vacations. I hope you take a good family vacation. I want that for you. Take vacations going in and out of town, but it is not a good time to take a vacation from God. Because I found out one time that even though I was on vacation, the devil doesn't go on vacation. He doesn't take the week off. And so you're like, you know what? We're out of town this week. I'm good. I'm, uh, you know, I'm just, I'll, I'll take my Bible. If I get to it, I'll, I'll get to it. Um, you know, and nowadays you've got church, on, we got church on the internet. You can watch on there. And and you, if you're out of town, you should. Anytime I'm out of town, I watch our services online. And you should do that. There's really not that good of an excuse to ever really have to miss church anymore. But listen. I'm just challenging and encouraging us that as we take our vacations and fun times this summer, the devil is not taking any time off. He will still be doing what he's always sought to do. And it's imperative that we stick close to Jesus and don't make ourselves an easy target. Don't make his job any easier. Make it harder. Stick in the word of God the house of God, and in the love of God. And we're going to make it through because it is the end times, and it may seem like, well, things have kind of calmed down now. I mean, it's like this isn't happening. Give it time. Give it time. I guarantee you right now, mark it down, by the end of this year, more major things will happen to shake the world up. Guarantee it. And then people will come running back, oh, my gosh, (laughs) And what's great is if you were already just sticking close to Jesus anyway. You're already under the shadow of the Almighty. You don't have to come running back to try to find it. You're already there, and you're way ahead of the game and not spazzing out whenever things fall apart. Amen? And so don't make yourself an easy target. Stick in the Word of God, the house of God, and in the love of God. Amen? All right, we're out of time. We better close it down tonight. Very good. Thank you for listening to this podcast.